Hi everyone, this is Tom Miller, editor of SolarView Magazine and marketing director here at Baywa RE Solar Systems. I have a very special announcement today. We're launching a new show. It's called Solar Tech Talk, and it features our two wonderful product managers, Kate Collardson and Aaron Bingham. Their show will feature different product overviews of residential and commercial solar and storage products. They'll be joined by different manufacturer partners, contractor guests, and they'll take on big picture trends as well. So we hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll still be around hosting the regular Solar View podcast, but I'm very happy to have some new Baywa folks hosting their own shows. Um, and there's a video version of this show as well on YouTube, so make sure and check that out. And without further ado, let's get to Aaron and Kate for the first episode of Solar Tech Talk. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us today on Baywa Solar Tech Talk. I'm Kate Collardson. With me is Aaron Bingham. We are the product managers for Baywa RE Solar Systems. And Aaron, what are we doing here? You know, I think we're going to try something new here. I think we're going to make a show. Awesome. Let's like where yeah. we get to geek out on solar stuff? Let's let's talk about our favorite subject, solar energy. Perfect. I could talk about that all day. During the show, we're going to be looking at the solar industry, what's happening in it, how it's going to impact our customers. You know, we're excited about using this as a platform to connect with people, especially during pandemic times when I'm pretty starved for face-to-face contact. What are we going to talk about today, Aaron? Today, we're going to have a look at what's happening in 2021. We're going to see how the product segments are changing and take a quick look at a couple of important regulations that are going to be updated. After that, we're going to have a quick chat with Lynn and Tom over at LG Chem. We're going to hear more about the LG Chem Resu 16H Prime, which is their new inverter. Aaron, did you just call the 16H an inverter? Uh, <laughs> forgive me. Uh, the 16H Prime store energy storage system. And to close the show out, we're going to have a closer look at the state of solar energy equipment recycling, specifically solar modules, and learn a little bit more about some of the efforts that we've got going on behind the scenes to try to find solutions on that front. That sounds great. Let's start off with uh, what we plan on seeing next year. What are are you excited about? Uh, You know, I mean, I think nobody's going to be surprised that the answer to that is energy storage. Energy storage is, is, is definitely expanding where solar energy is applicable and how it's applicable. It's, it is the technology that is going to drive some of the growth that we're going to be seeing in 2021. So specifically in that arena, you know, what we're seeing is kind of a, a real push for solutions that allow installers to tackle that question of whole home energy management. Energy storage up to this point has been a, a, a great like supplemental solution, but what we're seeing more and more is manufacturers are coming up with solutions that in the very near future will be able to nearly completely offset all of the electrical consumption that a home might see when you know used in conjunction with solar modules. Wow, that's um, a big change. It's it's a big change. It's a big change from the way that you know we've kind of thought about storage in the past. Products that we're excited about are coming from manufacturers like Enphase, Solar Edge. Generac, FMA as well. It's got some exciting things happening. Uh, battery manufacturers like BYD and LG Chem as well are, are, you know, making some great solutions for, you know, a common need that's expressed in the market for folks to be able to, you know, capture more of the solar energy that they're producing and not using and use that at other times in the day. 
Something else that we're really excited about when it comes to energy storage is increased ability to manage uh, specific loads in such a way that you can maybe reduce the size of the home energy storage that's required to meet the, the needs of the entire house. So what I mean by that is we're seeing solutions from manufacturers like Enphase and Generac and Solar Edge, you know, all of those manufacturers that I just mentioned that are taking strides towards allowing homeowners and system owners and operators to control which loads are on when the system is maybe not connected to the grid or, you know, dealing with some spike in production from the TV modules or anything along those lines. So that'd be like physically tripping a breaker. I'm sure that it wouldn't actually shut the breaker off, but but along those lines, like reducing a whole circuit from the, the main panel? There's other solutions from providers like Generac. They offer this, the Generac smart management modules that allow system owners to control which large loads are, are active at a given point in time. So specifically, if the site suddenly experiences a power outage and is using battery power, the SMMs will kick into action and turn off any large loads that they're connected to and then restart those loads in a specified sequence that the installer or that the system owner can can designate based on what their needs are on the site at the time. And those are some big advancements. Yeah, they're really changing the way that um, the conversations around energy storage and energy management happen, um, you know, at the residential scales. Right on. Uh, what else are you excited about that's that's happening? I'm definitely excited about, you know, seeing that part of the industry, the, the energy management part of the industry kind of mature. You know, we've got uh, UL9540, that's code that's been out there. Folks are already certifying to it. But, you know, we're seeing additional steps taken to ensure that the home energy storage solutions that are installed are, are safe and uh, you know, effective for customers. So UL9540A kind of governs more so what the battery manufacturer specifies in their instruction manual in terms of how the product is installed and um, sets up a, a series of testing guidelines that tell folks within the home energy storage um, industry how they can ensure that those instructions that they give in their instruction manuals are going to lead to a safe installation um, for each system. So that's, a, that's an exciting change that I think will just help the this part of the industry mature more. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited about some of the stuff that's going on at UL as well. Um, in, in 2020, in the NEC uh, Article 690.12, uh, mm-hmm. we, we saw a change in the, the rapid shutdown requirements that allowed for uh, a full system certification. So the full system could be certified to do rapid shutdown. And so that led to the development of UL 3741, where we now have the ability to test a full system uh, and certify it as uh, rapid shutdown certified. And that, that will, we will be seeing more and more of that, I think, in 2021. Folks, uh, manufacturers relying on that system, full system certification as opposed to just a rapid shutdown uh, certified equipment. And, and I, I'm excited to see how that, is, that changes things on, on the rapid shutdown front. That's interesting. What do you think some of the implications of that are going to be 
it, it definitely opens the possibility to, to move away from module level shutdown requirements. If a manufacturer can certify a, a system without that, uh, those MLPEs, then, then it'll pass. It'll, it'll be accepted in the 2020 code. And I think that that, that could lead some to, to some innovation in, in that arena. That's really cool. I, I know you all have got a lot of exciting things going on, but for some people, code's kind of a, a bore. So what, uh, what do you see on the Fair product enough. side? So, um, so we have seen a lot of uh, racking manufacturers come out with rail-free systems that um, have had limited success, and, and yet they keep, um, they keep working at it and, and improving. And I, and I do think that we're going to continue to see that happening and to get better and better uh, rail-free systems. And, and, and the market, I, I think we'll see the market start to uh, adopt those, uh, those options more and more. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can definitely see where and why that's happening. You know, for a while now, we have seen this trend with some of our largest customers that they're able to adopt real free solutions and really um, standardize their installation processes on those solutions in such a way that allows them to achieve significant growth over time. So yeah, there's something to those real free solutions that that really excites me too, and I can't wait to see what happens in 2021. I've also seen a lot of uh, changes on the on the module front. What are you seeing there? You know, we're seeing quite a bit. Um, we we've seen new technology like one third cut cells kind of being. Um, what is that? Why are we why are we cutting ourselves so many times? I mean, you know, it, it definitely allows in conjunction with other soldering techniques and uh, lamination techniques, it does allow for module manufacturers to fit more power on every single module. And so, you know, we're, we're certainly going to see more of that trend. You know, I, I think also as, as that production gets increasingly automated, there is maybe a little bit more ease in um, working with smaller components that are so fragile, you know, these, these slivers of cells are still, you know, they're still monosilicon wafer and they're still extremely fragile and, and easy to break. So we are, you know, we are seeing move towards third cut, both because it allows for that increased power density, but also because it's li- it likely presents a more resilient module, an opportunity to see a more resilient module. With the smaller cut cells and certain soldering techniques, what, what you find is that things like micro cracks or micro fractures within the cell, their their impact is limited. And the area within a single cell that they can propagate within is, is of course more limited as well. So there are some advantages to that on the electromechanical side. Oh, that's that's really interesting. Another thing that I've noticed is that we're getting bigger cells. Bigger mm-hmm. cells, bigger modules. Mm-hmm. What do you think's going on there? Bigger before they cut them down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I, you know, I mean, I think that that again has to do with some improvements in manufacturing techniques, but more on the upstream side, on the on the kind of like ingot um, pulling side of of module production. They're just so growing them bigger. They're just yeah, they're able to grow them bigger. Um, the um, you know the technology to cut them is becoming more sophisticated, so more of the ingot that is grown, I think, is viable. That is allowing manufacturers to offer manufacturers at the kind of like wafer side of the of module production kind of further upstream from the actual, you know, manufacturing of the module itself to offer larger wafers that then can uh, service platforms for larger cells that then go uh, into, into these modules. So, you know, we're seeing a, a lot of fruits of, you know, folks kind of putting a lot of effort into R&D over the last 
20 some odd years and, and, you know, continuing to iterate on this technology to see improvement. So to circle back to our, our conversation on storage, uh, yeah. let's move over to our, our conversation with, with Tom and Lynn. What are you, what are you excited to hear about from them? I can't wait to learn more about the Resu 16H Prime, which is their new Resu option. It's going to be made with Gen 3 cells, and they're going to be able to tell us a little bit more about that technology and about that product. Um, so let's give them a call and see what they're doing. Hey, Tom. Hey, Lynn. Uh, thanks for joining us today. For our viewers, we've got Lynn Tran and Tom Bullock, both here from LG Chem. Uh, they're here to tell us more about the LG Chem Resu 16H product that's going to be launching uh, a little bit later this month in December of 2020. And we're going to start seeing our first shipments arriving um, in Q1 of 2021. Let's go ahead and get started. First, hear a little bit from you about the context of what drove some of the design changes that went into this product launch and what's new about the 16H. What are some of the changes that your team was able to incorporate into the design of this product? We learned a lot in our first home battery in North America as what you would want us to do. And, you know, it was our goal. And our Gen 3 product really reflects that. And so what our Gen 3 product reflects are market demands. Uh, we heard loud and clear that higher capacity, uh, higher power, batteries, you know, bigger and better is the way to go. And that was the trajectory. And that's exactly where we went. So our Resu 16H Prime is a 16 kilowatt hour usable battery. Um, and that's the largest on the market for a standard size. And you can stack up to two to uh, 32 kilowatt hours. That's a good amount of capacity. So if you if you need any more than that, you know, I'd, I'd really like to, to take a look at your energy consumption. But uh, it's a good size battery. And uh, what it reflects also from a product design standpoint is the implementation of much better field serviceability. The Gen 2 product, no field serviceable parts on it, none whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, the Gen 3, the anatomy of, of the battery itself all deconstructs so that you have lithium separate from your DC electronics. And there's always value in having the lithium separate from the power electronics. And we just took it to another level to where most of your issues are going to occur in the power electronics. It's just how it is. And so now you can pop the top off, leave the lithium there and be able to um, serve, maintain and, and keep customers up and running. Um, we also have a monitoring ability on the Gen 3, and that's going to give installers the ability to kind of have an independent view remotely from the battery uh, standpoint. So you can... Uh, facilitate troubleshooting, reduce fuel service calls, maintenance calls, things like that. Um, so overall, bigger, better, better. And uh, it's a really good product that is going to make installing uh, is for installers to be a lot easier. What about uh, training? Uh, is there certification requirement to be able to uh, install uh, one of these? Yeah, so a great question, Kate. So as you as you know, we currently um, have certification training for all Resu certified installers. Uh, the goal of that training is certainly to make everyone familiar with the product, the current Gen 2 Resu 10H, and to uh, maximize the efficiency of installations um, and getting the product up and running uh, quickly at the installation site. So that, that's really the goal of our, of our training. It, it's going to be no different for the 16H Prime. In fact, with some of the uh, new capabilities on this product, uh, including what Lynn already covered, the remote monitoring capability, we will be focusing in on, on, on that training also. So it's going to be training in terms of how it operates, total power, uh, power discharge uh, and charge capabilities, all the really internal electrical specifications, but also how to install and then also how to get the most out of the functionality for the remote monitoring capability. So yeah, we'll continue 
our training. Hopefully have those things uh, finished soon and have them on our Resu resource page where we direct all our installers to go for certification training. Very exciting. And and so this launch is, is going to kind of change the experience that LG Chem customers, our customers as well, installers have when they're actually installing this product in a few really important ways. And I think you, you hinted on some of them or about some of them when you were describing some of the technical differences um, the, between the 10H, the current 10H product and the uh, coming soon 16H product. Let's dive a little bit deeper into that though. So walk us through exactly what will be different as a experienced LG Chem installer is installing a 16H when compared to their experience in installing a 10H? Um, I'll take that one. So from an installation experience, one, we talked about the anatomy of the batteries being different, the lithium being separate from the the DC electronics. And then also this is a floor mounting battery. So um, a lot less heavy lifting, um, but you know, it, it is a, a heavy battery. Lithium is is a heavy product. On, on the cell basis, we have uh, increased energy density, energy efficiency, and um, improved overall lifetime of the battery, um, I, I believe about close to 20%. You'll see that our energy retention and our product warranty, our, our 10-year product warranty is 70% capacity retention, so more robust uh, than uh, the Gen 2 product. Also wanted to mention in terms of differences from Gen 2 to Gen 3 in working with the battery is um, you will be required to register the product for product warranty. Um, and you do need to purchase Resu from an authorized sales channel, i.e. Baywa, and be able to have that proof of purchase if ever you're going to have a warranty claim. Mm. So a um, couple of things to put uh, on your mind if you're going to work with the Resu battery is buy through <laughs> buy through Baywa. <laughs> They're a great distributor for our products and uh, you'll find great support there. And, uh, you know, make sure that you're all up to date with your, uh, your certifications. And, and Kate, thank you again uh, for asking about product certification. In case in point, I'm not surprised it came from Baywa, but um, safety is the number one. It is the paramount of all things. And lithium batteries are not something to handle lightly. So they should be taken seriously. And just like the 10H, we're having the same 16H requirements. So you need to be certified to handle it. You have to register it to get the warranty and you got to buy it through an authorized distributor. So let's kind of turn a little bit and uh, talk about product compatibility, um, both on the inverter side and in terms of the product being backwards compatible for those LG Chem customers and installers who installed the 10H. And maybe you're looking at the 16H wondering if that's a a good option to expand their existing system. Um, So I guess I'll go to Lynn first. Maybe if you could tell us a little bit about backwards compatibility first. What What are the things that installers should keep in mind as they're talking to customers about that option? And then we'll jump to Tom to learn a little bit more about inverter compatibility. Yeah, um, well, the, the, the two will be a little bit mixed. Um, from a solar installer's business standpoint, I, I think the term is like future-proof or, you know, be able to um, put the right inverter now with the solar system so that you can come back and upsell them on the battery. That's a tried and true uh, tactic that uh, a lot of installers use. And cost of customer acquisition is obviously so much lower on, on an upsell. And our product is made and designed to be this way. You know, it's complementary to solar. And, and so if you start with solar, you can come in and, and plug the battery in, in later. So as far as backwards compatibility, 
you know, our customers out there, solar installers, they can, they're solar ninjas. They can go and engineer anything to make it work. And right now, uh, the Energy Hub, SolarEdge's new Energy Hub product is by and large the, the inverter that is being adopted with uh, the 16H design. But I believe there's still some StoreEdge product um, that will be compatible with both 10H and 16H at some point. It's, it's a good question to ask for SolarEdge on, on their product roadmap. Um, but as far as backwards compatibility, um, it's as long as you're using a compatible inverter per that battery model, um, it, it should work just fine. And LG and SolarEdge have a very close relationship um, with our product launches. And, and so just to clarify, those sites that already have a 10H installed, would they be good candidates for a, a 16H to accompany that? Um, would that not be a good idea because they're maybe DC coupled and um, in a string? That's that's a question for Solar Edge. Hey, Magnus. Hey, Aaron. How are you doing? Doing all right. Thanks for joining up. Uh, we're talking about the Resu 16H Prime and Solar Edge compatibility. And I wanted to ask uh, for those sites that already have a 10H installed, would those be good candidates for a 16H to accompany that? Or um, what, what are your thoughts? Well, a couple of thoughts. I mean, the, the, the first thing that we should point out is that the, uh, the existing energy hub that, uh, that somebody would be installing today is going to be forwards compatible to work with uh, uh, LG Chem's Resu 16H. So if you haven't a 10H already installed and you'd like to install a 16H instead, then that will work just fine. Uh, we're not immediately supporting doing a 10H and a 16H together uh, for a couple of reasons. One of which is that there's uh, it's likely not to come up too often, but also when you have a 16H, you're gonna have uh, a lot more power available to you to support the house and to have all of that on a, uh, a single energy hub is, is probably not a great idea. Probably a better way to do it would be to simply take an additional energy hub, hook it up to the backup interface uh, and parallel that, that uh, 10H energy hub and the 16H energy hub. That way you've got a lot more power to back up the home. All right. So the, the suggestion then is basically to make sure that you can go ahead and put two systems in parallel with each other and um, support either battery directly from that. That's, That's right. And we will be making that capability to parallel multiple energy hubs in backup available during uh, during Q1. Oh, that's very exciting. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right, thanks. I was curious about the homeowner experience between the two products. Um, is how, how will this affect the homeowners? Yeah, great, great question. So Going back a, uh, a little bit earlier in the conversation, um, you know, when Lynn and I uh, communicate across the country, I was going to say travel across the country, but we don't get to do that much these days. When we communicate with the people around the country, we're really excited to always talk about um, our company as as, a, as the leader in cell manufacturing ca uh, capability in the lithium-ion uh, global space. And so what we have are really bringing to market uh, here with the 16H is a product that is the benefit of a couple of years of continued improvement on our on the cell that goes into the Resu product. So we've been able to increase the energy density at the cell level and, and on the pack level. And what that really turns into is the homeowner experience is going to get a much uh, more efficient, more powerful unit um, that when, when compatible or when paired with the right inverter partner, uh, you get a package that offers scalability and flexibility to really define what the homeowner's power needs are and meet them, whether they be longer runtime through increased total capacity or being able to power uh, more loads from current uh, on a on a 
on a shorter period of time. So that, that flexibility between what we've been able to do and the improvements on our product engineering-wise and compatible, not just compatible, but really pairing and having a real solution with our inverter partners, we think that's going to be a great game changer for the homeowner. They're, they're going to be able to sit with their installers and really design a program for how this 16H really goes about solving um, a lot of a, a lot of needs in the home that we might not have had previously. So it all starts with cell engineering, goes right through the product to our inverter partners, and it, it's going to create a great experience, we think, for the homeowner. Can you tell us a little bit more about um, those changes that were made to the to the cell and to the cell pack technology? How deep can you take us down that rabbit hole? We'd, we'd be very curious to understand, you know, if there were um, changes to the to the actual form of the of the cells themselves, or were there any changes that you can describe based on what you learned with the Resu 10 inch launch? Yeah, the the cell uh, the cell form factor is the same as in the Resu 10 H, um, but but if you go back a couple of years when we introduced the Resu 10 H with its current cell in it we were already starting to develop changes to increase the energy density on the cell that's now going to be introduced in the 16H. So I can tell you that it's an increase in cell uh, and pack energy density. And I think I can quote this to the tune of 7% on the cell and 20% um, on the pack at the pack level. So those those increases on the cell level is really where we're seeing the difference um, in the product. So um, same cell, just continuing to improve it and then turn that into efficiencies uh, within the pack. One, one I guess I can mention is because the cell is so much more efficient, it gives us more efficiency in the DC-DC converter, which increases the round trip efficiency. Um, and that's a benefit that the homeowner might not understand how that's giving them advantages, but it will give them advantage in, in more power delivery. So there's a lot of mixtures that go into you know, how we improve ourselves, but that's what LG does every day. LG Chem does every day. Is That's our business. We're, we're a cell manufacturer, um, and, and that's where it all started. Hopefully that answered that question. When earlier, when we were kind of talking about some of the product differences, um, in particular, when Lynn, when you were describing that the that the new Resu 16H is going to have an improved warranty, uh, where at the end of the 10-year warranty cycle, we anticipate that the battery will retain at least 70% of its original nameplate storage capacity. It's, I, I know that there were programs like the California um, New Home Solar Initiative that required that any storage uh, product installed under that program have or meet that 70% threshold uh, um, after 10 years of uh, performance in the warranty documentation. So the the new product meets that. And um, I'm, I'm wondering, are there are there other programs or incentives that you're aware of either, you know, now or coming down the road that, that the new product will qualify for or that our customers should be aware of just in general when it comes to storage installations? So the capacity retention for is an improvement. And, and the reason why we have it is because exactly the, the reason that you described that um, it's it was an incentive um, or there's benefits around having that product characteristic for our customers. And it's just one of those examples of the market asked for it and, and we, we we got it, we did it. And it's not so much, are we aware, it, it's a full-time job just trying to keep track of all the type of incentives and subsidies that are available for home batteries uh, nationwide. Um, what I think is notable of what we're seeing here with the housing mandate, you know, requiring solar and 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 some of the incentive programs around this 70% capacity retention is, is that California is setting the precedence. So if 
someone somehow all those smart people figured out 70% is what should be uh, good for ratepayers and customers out there um then i would anticipate if i were another utility i i would follow suit a lot of you know california hawaii you know we're we're going back and forth and it's sure. it's just like everyone's always said it you know the battery market's going to follow the solar market and i think we're going to see other jurisdictions and other uh regions be able to adopt and duplicate what california's done and if and if it's not the same as what california's done hopefully it's an improved rendition of what california did so you know we continue to to grow this market that that's not not so much that i think there's other programs out there to to mention i just think pay attention to california because i think you'll see remnants of it afterwards from from other regions so Lynn, I, I heard that your team recently launched a new LG Chem sales training uh, module or sales training uh, webinar information series. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and um, tell us how installers can get access and who should access that training in order to be better informed when they're selling LG Chem products? Ah, uh, yes. Um, it's, it's a great new addition that we have. So basically that we have the, the same certification to install the product. We have sales training and certification for selling the product. It's not a requirement, but we highly encourage people to uh, sign up, do the training, get certified. And once you're certified, uh, we consider you a resu professional. And when we do our own lead generation and we're out there stirring up the market, we, of course, will go back and support our, our LG resu professionals. So um, it's if you're working with the resu product and you want it just to be easier to sell and get more versed quicker, this is a, a great quick way to um, get started on selling resu products for sure. And the way to get information on it is to contact Baywa and they'll provide all the information that you need in a single email and you can get certified and trained at your own pace. And it's it goes very quick. They're very quick modules. So um, reach out to Baywa to find out how to take the LG Resu sales training and go out there and, and rock some sales. I think that's a wrap. Thanks, Lynn and Tom, for joining us today and giving us an update on the Resu 16H that's going to be available in Q1 of 2021. We're super excited about this product launch. We can't wait to get our hands on it and to get it in front of our customers and really look forward to working with y'all to make all of this happen. Is there anything else that you, you guys would want to add before we close out? A lot of things have been going on. 2020 has for, for everyone. But um, today, December 1st, is actually our first day as LG Energy Solution. So w what that means is great things. One, it's, it's a U.S. entity. And, and basically, LG Chem, you know, we started out, you know, chemical company, the original, original LG. And the battery business is large enough and attractive enough. And it's now its own separate entity. And the basic material business is its own separate entity. So LG Chem is remaining and we're spinning off to be LG Energy Solution and we're going to be the best energy solution provider. That's, that's exciting, exciting news. Yeah, that's really great. Yeah. Uh, stay safe out there. Thank you for the support and please let us know how we can support you and, and grow your resu business. Yeah, thank, thank you, everybody. We're, we're very excited. Thank you for your support. And yeah, we're, we're very excited about this new product um, and, and working with everybody along the way. Thanks so much. That was a great conversation. I, it was really fun to, to chat with Tom and Lynn. And yeah. Agnes. Yeah, definitely. It was, it was great to have him as a little surprise guest in there. And, and now I know that, um, you know, at the beginning of the show, I called them LG Chem. I should have been referring to them as LG Energy Solution. Now we know. 
So should we uh, move on to our next topic? Do you want to talk about solar recycling? Yeah, I am really interested to learn more about some of the, the work that we've been doing on our side to try to solve this problem. I, you know, I've been curious about what's going to happen to all these modules that, you know, I've seen sold over my 10-ish years in the industry. There, there, there are some real questions around how the product gets recycled or reused in any kind of way and, and what, what are the regulations around that. Um, and I know that that's something that you're really interested in too. Can you tell us a little bit more about you know, how you've been going about looking for solutions to this, both in a broader sense and here at Bewari? You're exactly right. We, we as an industry are going to have to figure out what to do with uh, these, these modules as they become end of life. If we could continue with the limited recycling infrastructure that we have, it, it could be a big black eye for our industry. And, and so, you know, as a, as a green industry, um, I, it, it, it's incumbent on us to, to figure this out, to have recycling solutions and to eventually, hopefully work toward a so circular economy for our modules. That's, that's pretty far down the road, but that's, a, uh, that's definitely a pipe dream that I have. Um, looking at Baywa, as, as a distributor in our warehouses, we do end up with broken modules. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they get damaged during shipping. They It just happens from that time happens. to time. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And so when I came on about a year ago, we had just in all of our warehouses, piles of, of damaged modules that we really didn't know what to do with. And so yeah. we started doing some research and looking around and, and there are a handful of, of companies out there that, that will do solar recycling and, and they re actually recycle the modules and all the components. And, um, and so we have now uh, cleared our warehouses of, of all of those broken modules and, and sent them off to be responsibly recycled. Um, some of the modules, oh, wow. they, they were reusable. Uh, they, they maybe had a damaged frame or... Scratch. On the yeah, scratch, some kind of blemish. Yeah, anything that would yeah. make it so that it was not new and we couldn't kind of sell it, I imagine. Exactly. And so those went on to a new life. They, they're uh, being reused. Uh, one of the, the recycling vendors that we use uh, has has a program where they uh, will take those modules and pass them on to an organization that that can use them and and mm -hmm. then they they get a new life and so that's really exciting so so what about those modules though that are a little bit too far gone for that um, you know you, like I, I can imagine that for folks who haven't taken a close look at this question how do you recycle a module they they look at a module they see glass they see you know silicon and maybe some kind of plastic, I would assume it looks like to anybody who, you know, is just kind of looking at it. And, you know, they see a metal frame. And so why can't you just pull the metal frame off and take the glass? Those are both easily recycled and then recycle the quote unquote plastic part of it. Yeah, I, I think that the, the biggest thing is, you know, these things are made to last out in the, the elements for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And so it's not real easy to just pull off the frame or peel off the back sheet and cells. You got you to have big equipment um, that, can, that can actually help with the, the disassembling um, mm -hmm. the modules. And, and there, there are very, very cool technologies out there that will, you know, there's, there's a machine that you, you put the module in one end and, and it goes through this little assembly line and, and the first thing is 
pops off the frames. And then um, there, there are a few different uh, things that could happen after that. In some cases, the uh, you'll cut the module uh, the, or the glass and cells into, you know, one inch squares and then go through an optical sorter to separate out. They get crushed and then sorted between glass and silicon and, and met, uh, you know, precious metals and, and plastics and, and sort into each, uh, in, into different streams. Uh, there, there's a, a really neat technology that I describe it as like a hot knife. And, and it's like this, this knife that goes through between the glass and the cells and so it, it it slices them off and and at the end you've got this full sheet of glass and then this sheet of backs uh back sheet and cells and and then you can sort it from there it's it's it, there's neat stuff out there it's just a matter of of you know getting it into a an infrastructure that's uh that's sustainable for our industry getting getting those machines in in good location so that we can we don't have to ship all the way across the country to to get our modules recycled and 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 that's exciting actually in in the few years that I have been in the solar recycling space I've seen you know more and more recyclers pop up around the country and so that uh that that distance is getting uh, shorter and shorter and and you know we're getting there it's just a, a matter of time before um before we're we have a really robust infrastructure uh, for solar recycling that's really cool yeah i i was just thinking as you were describing that machine that kind of takes a hot knife through the through the middle of the you know thinnest side of the module to separate the glass and and what's called the laminate, you know, that 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 was what I would imagine a, a solution to look like just after uh, my work with module manufacturers and seeing how the module is assembled, where you take cells, you lay them out, and then you apply back sheet and maybe some other coatings before you send it through essentially a giant heated press that presses the, the laminate together, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then that gets further assembled into the rest of the module. It's something something like that, you know, could could maybe help save as much of the material as possible. But it's interesting to hear about some of those other solutions that you found as well. What was the strategy that we took as we were trying to, you know, rid ourselves of those modules in an in a ethical and responsible way that we had in our warehouses that, that couldn't be resold and reused by somebody? Um, how did we go about finding a, you know, a legitimate uh, partner to recycle them? And, and what were some of the questions we asked ourselves along the way? Yeah, that's a great question. We um, One thing to know is that SIA, the, the Solar Energy Industries Association, uh, is working on this problem as well. And so they they have a, a recycling working group and they they also have uh, a group of, of recyclers um, who are are their partners. And so that was uh, step one was to look through who the, the SIA uh, recycling partners are. They they do a, a good amount of vetting of those partners. And so we had confidence that they were they were doing the right thing. The the second criteria was was distance. I mean it's mm. it's it's great to recycle, but like I said earlier, if you have to ship it across the country, well that's a that's a waste of, of yeah person. fuels. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Expense, but also the 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 um the impact on what am I trying to say here? Um, carbon footprint. Carbon footprint. I think that's what you're going that's for. A, that's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> but also the uh, carbon footprint 
um, is a lot bigger uh, when you have to ship so far. So in our warehouse, you know, we, we took our warehouses and, and looked at the list of recyclers on a map and um, and decided, you know, who was closest and and what made the most sense. And, and you know, we tried out a, a couple of different recyclers and, and definitely intend to, to keep doing that to, mm-hmm. to understand uh, the process with with the different vendors and, and you know, what's easiest, what makes the most sense um, and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, thinking about the scale of the problem here, you know, at, at Bewa, you know, we have a, you know, relatively small number of modules that we have to deal with, right? And then, you know, in the U.S., compared to what's sold every year, there's a relatively small number of modules that are being scrapped. Um, but when you start to scale that up and think about what happens, you know, when you consider, you know, things on a global scale, um, I, I wonder what solutions are, are being pursued in, in other parts of the world to address this problem. Are there models that we can learn from? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in Asia, there's a, a recycling infrastructure that they're building up, and mm. um, and and Europe has a, a pretty robust uh, system there. The neat thing about Europe, they um, they've taken a, a model of of pay up front. You pay a little extra on the sale of the module um, and that little extra goes into a fund that pays for the recycling needs of today. Uh, we actually have that kind of, of model here in the U.S. We, when, uh, when you think about buying a, a gallon of paint or uh, a mattress, uh, battery, t- car batteries or tires, all of those uh, items that, that we purchase, when we do that, we pay a little extra and, and that helps to fund the recycling needs of, of today uh, for, for those products. That that's a model that we could look to. It, it takes a lot to legislate that across the United States, but what we're seeing right now is that different states are kind of taking this legislation on themselves, trying to figure out the problem as as a state. And mm. so it's causing patchwork legislation across the U.S. And, you know, one state requires, you know, that, that, that you pay a little extra, uh, that, that, that the manufacturer will pay to, uh, to take care of the recycling needs of today if they sell into that state. Um, and it, it, it's just varied and it can really impact the uh, solar market at the state level if sure. it's if it's a, a another model that another doesn't make sense requirement that's great that's great work thanks for sharing more with us about it yeah absolutely i'm really passionate about solar recycling and i'm always happy to to chat about it aaron uh that that's the end of our show how, how do you think it went you know, uh, I think I think it went all right. I was I was a little nervous jumping on at, at the start, but it's really great to talk to Lynn and to Tom as well over at LG Energy Solutions and uh, to Cole Magnuson to get an answer to that question right away with a lot of fun as well. Yeah, it was. Uh, this was this has been fun. I, I look forward to doing it again. Yeah, one more thing to look forward to in 2021. <laughs> yeah.
What about AVLs? Which uh, vendor lists are these uh, approved on? From which financing groups are these approved? Um, so as, as long as the, the inverter is more important. So the inverter, if, if it's adopted on um, someone's AVL, then our battery has never had, any of our products have, haven't had any issues getting on AVLs for any financier. Um, if you, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a financier that wouldn't uh, work with, with an LG product. If, you, if there is someone out there that has that feedback and knowledge, please let me know, because um, it definitely would be a one-off. Um, and so uh, maybe revisiting a little bit, but want to make sure that everyone's completely clear on product availability when they can expect the first shipments of the 16H and will the um, 10H remain available as a, as, a, um, as a tone option. Tom, maybe if you don't mind jumping in and just letting us know, when, when can we expect those first shipments of the 16H and will the 10H um, production from LG Chem continue? Um, yeah, thanks, Aaron. So um, right now, um, based on on production, um, we would anticipate seeing the 16H uh, purchase orders arriving into the United States uh, in in the first quarter of, of 2021. Right now, I would probably say uh, late January would be a goal that we can anticipate if everything continues on schedule. But but certainly certainly in the early first quarter for 2021 on 16H. Right now, we're continuing to fill orders um, into that same, same time frame for 10H. So we're, we're continuing to ship the supply chain. And I, I don't really have a date for when that availability is going to end. I would anticipate that we, we will know that in, in well enough time to, to advise the supply chain. So you can take a look at both of those products, availability for one in Q1 uh, next year and ongoing in Q1 for the current 10H. All right, thanks. All right, thanks.